0: Hi, dreamer. Happy new moon. Today, you'll hear me talk with Teresa Vasquez, artist and dream midwife. We talk about her dream work with kids and with art, and we touch on dream work and race, culture, and socioeconomics. Though we by no means cover those subjects in depth, you will get to hear some of Teresa's observations there. At the end, you'll hear one of Teresa's dream-inspired poems. I've been loving seeing your dream-inspired art and doing more of my own lately. The Dreams and Creativity Play Shop was a lot of fun this month, and I'd like to do another one of those soon. Also in August, I'll be hosting an online Zoom gathering devoted to dreams in connection with health and healing. Be sure you come to thedreamersden.org and sign up to keep in touch with me by email so you can hear about those, and I hope join us. I'd love to have you there and hear your voice and your dreams. I will note real quick here that Teresa and I had some quirky, mysterious sound issues, recording challenges, so I hope you can bear with those little inconsistencies and enjoy the content of this conversation with this wonderful artist and dream worker, Teresa Vasquez. You're listening to the Dreamer's Den podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navar. I'm here along with guest dream workers, authors, and teachers to talk about diving deep into your dreams. We're skipping the small talk and going for conversations about what matters most to us, what's touching us so deeply that it shows up in our dreams, in one form or another. We talk about engaging with dreams to experience insight, inspiration, healing, and meaningful connection with one another. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can catch all these conversations. Visit thedreamersden.org/open for a free video and mini book to help you learn more about opening up or deepening your own relationship with your dreams. My guest today is Teresa Vasquez. She is a dream midwife and principal at Dreaming Woke. She's trained with Robert Moss in his School of Active Dreaming, and she conducts dream circles, workshops, and private consultations. Teresa is also an artist. She has a BA in creative writing and an MFA in studio art, and her artwork is largely inspired by her dreams. She's worked with dreamers of all ages, which is one of the things that drew me to want to talk with her. I know she's done some dream theater and artistic creative exploration with younger kids. She's also an author, an educator, a mother, and a grandmother. Welcome, Teresa.
1: Thanks, Leilani. It's really a pleasure to talk with you today.
0: So I'd love to ask you first how you started working with dreams and how you realized that they're
1: important to you. Mm. So I think I first uh, became aware of my dreams after my caretaker her name was Mama Gary came into my dreams after she had passed away Mm. and it was a it it was a very strong dream that like to this day I can really visualize oh wow Um, yeah Um, but that was probably the first big dream that I that I had and and it was connected, you know, somehow in my five-year-old mind with, you know, processing what it meant for a person to die because she was really the first person that I knew personally who, who passed away. Uh, and so after that, I mean, I, I, I continued to dream, of course. And um, again, I got interested in dreams when I was maybe 12 years old when I was in sixth grade and at that time I started to journal my dreams and I still have my dream journals from sixth grade and seventh grade high school and all that and they're really treasures to me I mean I don't I don't go anywhere I don't like leave my um, dream journals in storage I have probably three or four large totes full of dream journals, and just journals wow. in general, because they have so much value um, for, I think, any anyone who has a creative or reflective um, practice. So uh, when I got to high school, uh, I was fortunate that we had what was called um, a, a May project in senior year, and I had the opportunity to work in the University of Chicago Sleep Lab oh. with um, Dr. Alan And he was the fa- the father of a classmate of mine, and so um, I got to work there for about a month um, as a as an intern. And what they were doing in terms of uh, sleep studies was they were looking to try to find out what the purpose of sleep was you know what sleep does for the body the mind etc and um you know i must say that uh in those experiments they were basically uh starving rats of sleep um, Mm. depriving rats of sleep for um i think most rats were on the verge of death between 10 11 days Wow. And when the rat would get to that stage, they would do a necropsy, which essentially means um, killing the rat in order to do an autopsy. Okay. And this was this was not something that I could get with. I just no. I could not see myself <laughs> as a, you know, as as a, uh, let's say, um, scientific researcher in that fashion. So that really kind of closed that door for me and then I went to college uh and I you know I did kind of delve down the road of psychology to uh to some extent but I realized that my work with dreams was more within the human aspects for me and and spiritual aspects as well so really after after college um I, you know, I continued to work with my dreams, write them down, and so on, but, I mean, fast forward, that was back in, <laughs> that was back in, in the late 80s, but fast forward to, uh, 2015, and I, um, I was in a, I was in a car accident, pretty serious car accident, and after that time, I had a concussion. Uh, And I had a recovery of about three weeks at home where I didn't go to work or anything like that. I was a professor at the time at a community college. And um, after that time, it really, it changed something within me. I I can't really uh, explain what is different, but it really did change something within me. And after that time, I, you know, revisited a lot of things that I had left behind, and one of them was was dreams, and another was, you know, an interest in shamanism and other spiritual paths. Now, I will say that I, uh, I was a practicing Buddhist at the time, and um, I had had very, very deep experiences with uh, with meditation, uh, really profound. And, um, while I was having those experiences, one thing that was very clear to me was that I lost my dreams. I lost my dreams for about two years. I guess something in, in the meditations that I was doing was almost like walling off the dreams, but the dreams came back after, um, you know, after, after having had the accident, Huh. And at that time, I became aware of Robert Moss's work through the SHIFT network, and I began to take classes with him. And I then found out that, uh, that he had a, a dream school. And I, I thought to myself, finally, I have found the path that I would have liked to follow uh, as, as a young person. I you know I went full you know full on with uh, with the the studies with dreams with Robert Moss and um, at that time I was exposed for the first time to um, shamanic dreaming with with the drum which really for me was a way to revive my dream practice overall uh, and realizing that when one uses the shamanic drum which really there's no there's there's no kind of hocus pocus or you know anything to it it is a very direct uh, link there's a very direct link to um, playing a drum at uh, somewhere between 200 and 220 beats per minute and the um, the actual uh, mental state that that brings us into, and and that is, you know, that's a scientifically proven thing. It uh, it helps the the mind go into a theta state, which allows you to be lucid, but also be experiencing um, any number of uh, um, of sensory information, even extrasensory information. And, uh, you know, that was that was an immediate game changer for me. And, you know, so I I was really hooked from there. I started uh, the dream school in um, in the following summer of uh, 2016. And and after the the first year of of dream school, I started my own dream circle where Um, you know, a small group of mostly women, every now and then a man would come to share dreams and to share interpretations. And we used um, Robert Moss's lightning dream work kind of as a basis for uh, the way that we looked at at the dreams. And we would also use, I mean, not just dreams of the night, but also uh, dreams with the drum. But I like to say... And part of why I call myself dreaming woke is that you know we dream asleep, awake, and in between. You know, a dream a dream can be a vision, a dream can be um a daydream, a dream can be a nightmare, a dream can be uh um a a hope and wish for the future. I I see the term dream embodying all of those. Uh-huh. Different ways of you know of, of interpreting the, that word dream, and and all of them being valid. And, and as a dream worker, I think I think many of us, and, or I, I will definitely say for myself, uh, I I work to help others realize those practices of dreaming that can help them enrich their lives in a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. So that's my dream. Journey. <laughs> wow, wonderful!
0: Thank you for sharing that whole story. What a what a journey, as you said, all the way from a <laughs> yeah. powerful dream as a kid through that that sleep lab, which would have given me nightmares, and then your <laughs> yes. your uh, work with Robert Moss. So, so now you call yourself a dream midwife. Yes, I would love to hear more about what that means for you. What is it to play the role of a midwife for? Other dreamers
2: mm.
1: when I chose that way to describe the work that I do, um, you know it the 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 best analogy I could make is that just as a a midwife works with a woman who is pregnant and you know prepares her works with her with her um, before, during, and after the birth of this of this new and wondrous being um you know i i want to approach and i i approach dreams in the same way as 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 these wonderful beings these shining beings sometimes they're lovely and sometimes they're uh really uh really frightening and awful and you know to to get to know how we can use this facility that we have as human beings and really um, as as animals, to get, you know all of these additional insights, all of this additional information imagery. Um, experiences, um, seeing the perspective of others, all of these different gifts that we have from dreaming, how to bring those into life. You know, one of the, one of the things that I think is so important about the active dreaming practice um, that Robert Moss, you know, has developed is that it focuses on, okay, what what is the way that we are going to bring the power of this dream into our lives in some way that is practical, helpful, immediate, and so forth? And there are so many ways to, to do that. Uh, I think creativity is, is probably the most accessible one to me. I mean, as, as you mentioned in, in the introduction, you know, I am an artist. I am a writer. And at different points in my life, of course, you know I'm um, middle aged now. But um, you know, as as I was raising young children and things like that, um, oftentimes people in that in that situation are just on automatic pilot and are just moving through life at this uh, at this very very fast speed. So a lot of what was really dear to my soul, the writing the art fell away during that time. And so I think a lot of the work of the, of the dream midwife is to, um, is to help people to redevelop um, a person's dream life and to get back in touch. You know, if, if we, if we believe that that dreams are the secret wishes of our souls, that dreams are, um, another method to to plug into something that is much larger than us mm-hmm. then that th- there is so much power in in that and there's a and it's so personal too it it's like um it's like a series of movies or television shows that are for you that are crafted from your own symbolism, your own psyche um, but also very much plugged into. Um, the the collective. Mm-hmm. Something I wanted to say about being a dream midwife as well, and calling myself that, is that in the Western world we often think of Freud, we think of um, Carl Jung when we talk about contemporary dream work, and I think. Um, In the context of, uh, in the context of analysis, the dream is something that is like subject to the experts, the quote unquote experts. And in my way of working, my way of seeing dreams, uh, the only expert on the dream could possibly be the dreamer, um, him or herself. And what I see the dream midwife being able to do is provide processes. Some are as simple as as talking for a length of time with people in order for them to come to their own conclusions. Mm,
0: Yeah, I love how you describe that. You talked about people losing that connection with their dreams and also your own kind of lost years. I've heard a lot of people say that at some point they lost connection with their dreams. A lot of times in childhood at some point when an adult told them that, you know, it's just a dream or dreams don't mean anything. What's been your experience working with younger people? So
1: working with young people and dreams is really uh, a terrific joy in some cases, in most cases, I would say, and, um, and challenging in, in others. Uh, you know, something I'll mention here, which I haven't really read much about or uh, really massaged much with my other uh, dream uh, worker friends, is that I, I feel like dream practice has a hereditary Components. Huh. Uh, I will say that my father is a prolific dreamer, and actually much more skilled in um, in lucidity, for example, than than I am. He um, has a very rich dream life, and my parents came to this country um, before I was born, when when my mother was pregnant with me um, in in the mid '60s from Cuba. And um, he often dreams of Cuba, of, of different places that he's been, places that he frequented, places that were, um, on the one hand, very beautiful and pleasant, on the other hand, very um, kind of filled with with trauma and difficulty. And, you know, he's a prolific dreamer. I feel like there's something... Of what he gave me, that uh, that also causes me to perhaps be a a, a more than um, average prolific dreamer. Um, I also feel, though, that that there are some cultural aspects of that, um, you know, in terms of in terms of dreaming. Um, but but I'll come back to that in a minute because oh, yeah, it had to do with uh, with working with kids. So. I've been fortunate that I've been able to work with kids in a few different contexts, mostly around the context of um, visual art. So I worked at Indianapolis Art Center for about three years. And um, I was a teaching artist at first. And uh, as a teaching artist, I worked with a variety of different populations. I worked with um, kids who, were in a very difficult um, inner city school. Um, and I was there, I was their after-school art teacher. Um, I worked also with summer camp kids from the Indianapolis Arts Center. And um, those were fairly affluent kids, mostly Caucasian. Um, in the context of the of the uh, inner city school I would say that the students were mostly um, mostly Latino, Latina, and um, and Black. Um, some some white students there as well, but but mainly um, uh, I would say disadvantaged kids, finan- you know, in terms of fin- financial status and things like that. Um, and then I worked with adults. But so in in each context, I was fortunate that I was able to present. Uh, some topics of dreaming um, we talked about our dreams and what kinds of imagery we saw uh, with with the students at school uh, 15 I did some kind of um, dreaming with the drum to visualize uh, like animals we were talking at that time about uh, about our our favorite animals we talked about power animals, we talked about um, how animals, as far as totems um, for for Native American people and other indigenous people around the world were very significant. And we did a very brief drumming um, so that they could kind of visualize animals. And um, to my dismay, and and perhaps as a very (laughs) uh, green dream worker many of the kids uh, came out of that and and, um, drew some really horrific scenes you know scenes of um, a fire and kind of um, monster type creatures and uh, things that were really scary and they did talk to me about um, how they don't usually have good dreams that they often have nightmares and so you know i at the time i kind of thought well well, gosh this is this is kind of a backfire Mm -hmm. but i realize that nightmares are often the things that bring dreamers to dream work you know in order to shift the nightmare in some way and that often necessitates going back into that nightmarish dream and addressing the monster or the um, assailant with a knife or whatever it is uh, and and that powerfully that dynamic can shift you know that there there are um, opportunities to make that um, dream enemy in the nightmare actually an ally and there is a great deal of psychic power um, that can come from that. I don't mean psychic in terms of reading minds, but in terms of um, power from the psyche that can be released and and then applied in waking life. And uh, and so that is one way that nightmares can be transformed through through dreams. Another that I have experienced with young people is doing dream theater, and when I was uh working with this was adolescence um from 10 to 13 um, an art camp we did a lot of dream theater so kids would come with whatever dreams had uh some energy for those kids and they shared the dream we did the practice of lightning dream work to talk about well what what uh you know, tell the, tell the dream as a story because, you know, we can never experience the dream that the person had, but we can experience the story and kind of internalize that story and understand it. We can understand the details, um, kind of the, the day residue, as, uh, I think Jeremy Taylor called it, that is around this dream and to help, the dreamer get at the, 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 the central questions that they're trying to answer about the dream and then go into working with it in dream theater where we actually have the opportunity to pick uh, from the group of people who is going to play the different characters, who's going to play me as the dreamer. Um, and protagonist if in fact I'm the protagonist and who's going to play the different parts and not just the uh, let's say human or animal parts but also the significant um, objects, stuff like houses or chairs or cars, you know, to have somebody dramatize each part that is significant in the dream. And to allow us to uh, recreate and watch as as a director what that that dream really looks like. And then a really important part of of dream theater is then after the dream has been acted out, then stopping and asking each of the characters in the dream to talk about their experience and their insights playing that character in the dream. Uh, And that is where some really powerful things can happen. And the dreamer can gain tremendous insight. So with the kids that I worked with um, in the in the um, art camp, they really were able to embrace the process very well. They were able to get interesting insights. Uh, About their dreams Um, and of course again these are 10 to 13 year old kids and you know many of them are just learning about symbolism and many of them are just learning about uh, what kind of power the dream can have for them and uh, so kind of as a culmination we we videotaped a couple of these dream theater presentations and then um, on the last day of camp we had an open house for the parents of the of the children family members to attend and so we did some dream theater um, on some additional dreams that that were actually dreamt during the course of that week so it was uh, probably my most rewarding and gratifying experience and these kids I guess being a little older perhaps Having more privilege, they didn't see this as a as a scary or threatening experience. They saw it as you know really liberating, wonderful experience. They wanted to share more and more dreams every day. They wanted to start class with uh, with a dream uh, dream sharing. So I felt like that was a really wonderful um, example of of how you can work. Uh, with dreams, with with children.
0: That sounds so fun. Mm -hmm. It just sounds so fun. I can really imagine how kids would thrive on getting to step into the dream and act it out. You know, you think of kids maybe a little younger than that 10 to 13 range, but younger kids doing all kinds of make-believe and just how they just want to have the experience. What if I was this thing? What if I was a fairy? What if I was a dragon? And they just want to move and make noises and experience that. And that seems like an important insight that you had, too, about the two groups of kids, that the kids who have maybe more comfortable, more safe lives would feel more comfortable and safe sharing and performing their dreams. I mean, we have to Be aware that we really never know what's going to come up for anyone when we enter into the dream space. You know, we're bringing into the light things that are by nature somewhat sequestered away from our waking conscious lives. Um, But yes, for kids who are excited to do it and have those dreams that they feel good about sharing in a group, how perfect to have them step into being something and then ask them, what was that like?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think a lot of that is, is important to keep in mind. You know, dreaming can be very fun. It can be very funny, it can uh, be really shocking and surprising. Uh, and you know, to really see that, dreams are the world of dreaming is a treasure trove uh, that is, is full of, of so much value. And that we, in our Western world, um, up until, let's say, March of this year, we were living in a world where we didn't have time to dream. If you are a typical uh, U.S. person, you have a very hectic life. Um, If you have children, you have to cart them off to school and then to extracurricular activities. And then you have to, you know, if you're a a school teacher like me, oftentimes you have to late into the night, grade papers and things like that. So it's very difficult to get good sleep and it's very difficult to uh, recall dreams or even care. So you know, um, I think one of the, the, the strange gifts of, of this pandemic has been the opportunity to be able to slow down and to sleep, to really sleep, to sleep that full time that you want to sleep, and then also to have time to reflect upon dreams in the morning. Um, when the pandemic first started, I was doing... Dream shares on Facebook Live uh, because I felt, you know, not only is COVID just the kind of collective experience that we would have, kind of like also um, the experience of Donald Trump's election, there were a lot of people dreaming about this collective experience, yes. and that people would want to unpack that and would want to have a forum in order to share those dreams and so i started to do that and i started to do that very consciously very early in the morning at seven (laughs) o'clock well eastern time so even for u.s people it was rather early yeah and so maybe it was not as successful as it could have been if it were later but what i did you know really recognize is that there was a need and a desire for this forum and many people uh came out to share their their dreams. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the there are um recordings of those, you know, a uh, tape of those available on, you know, on my Facebook. Uh, so you can kind of look back at those. But something that I found really interesting was that there were many um many people, uh, Latinx people, who took part, and that was just totally—it seems by coincidence—that that my friends who um, who are Latino Latina were the ones that that uh, that reached out and wanted to share dreams and wanted to be there to share their insights as we use the same lightning dream work process to discuss the dreams. Uh, and so this, you know, this really kind of piques my curiosity, you know, um of of there being certain cultural uh threads of dreaming. I know that that for for me as a as a Cuban person, um, you know, and, and in Spanish we say um we say como amaneciste how did you awaken how did you awaken what a beautiful way to talk about emerging from from the world of sleep and dreaming yeah that and is beautiful we when we talk about our dreams we say soñé con um con esta persona u otra persona and that, you know that means you know i i dreamt with this person you know acknowledging Uh that on some level when people come into your dreams they are coming into your space they are sharing an experience even if they were not fully there to experience that experience but um so you know those are two really two really small ways that i think um you know in in in, um in latino cultures and in latin cultures that we uh you know that that we dream a little bit differently um and i you know i certainly am very curious about um how we as um latinos and latinas in say the u.s how our dreaming practices um, really can point to can point to liberation and can point to um, new ways of envisioning the world that we want to see new ways of having a collective and how Working with our dreams collectively can do that. And dreaming individually, having a strong dream practice can do that. Really reclaiming our, um, our, our powers of, uh, you know, of, of transcendence, of transcending our, uh, contemporary reality.
0: Awesome. Do you have any examples of liberation dreams or dream images that come
1: to mind oh yes so uh i will talk about a dream that for me was was so seminal in my early work with robert moss when i was in the first dream teacher training um i brought to the group and we had the opportunity to do this we we did um dream theater with dreams that people brought to the collective and we had the resource of 30 individuals who were all on this journey together from all kinds of different walks of life all different ages uh, some amount of, of diversity, but, you know, these are, um, you know, these kinds of courses take a great deal of, of um, financial and personal commitment. So unfortunately, you know, there are not a lot of people of color who are, who are able to attend. So for me, there is a, a very important dream that I, that I had. Uh, and I guess the title of it is, um, Where is the Water? I am in a house that is located, I know, uh, slightly out of my neighborhood, kind of where it becomes a, another neighborhood in Chicago, and, and um, it's, it's a, a more dangerous part of kind of the same neighborhood. And I am inside of this house. I open the door, and the um, deceased mother of a very close friend of mine very very dear sister of mine uh, is at the door and she is emaciated lantern jawed. her hair looks very brittle like it's like it's straw and she's looking at me with this face of pain and disgust and um, the the room the house the house that i'm in is completely empty and she steps in to the foyer and she says, where is the water? Mm. And it's just such an emotionally charged moment for me. Wow. Uh, and of course, like I said, she is the deceased mother of a dear friend of mine um, who happens to be born on the same day as me. Oh, wow. uh, or vice versa, I guess you could say, because she's obviously older than me. Um, and... She, uh, she also was an artist, writer, and painter.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and so one of the things that I did was I brought this dream to her and kind of worked with her on this dream. But I also brought it to my dream community, uh, you know, through Robert Moss. And we did dream theater around it. And one of the powerful things about dream theater is that you as the director of your dream can dream the dream forward and so we played the drum and did a a dream journey to expand upon the dream and what came to me was uh, that suddenly wherever i walked within this house there was like a geyser that came up of water and suddenly there was water everywhere in the space and she was there with me and she um kind of revived and rejuvenated and i did also and and Mm. you know the the imagery you know uh reminded me of the story of of oshun the, the the goddess of of, of love in um, in the Yoruba tradition mm. and wherever she walked she was so lovely and amazing that geysers of water would emerge oh, everywhere wow. that she that she walked but but the crazy thing is that I did not know this particular story about Oshun until I brought this dream forward to the community and they shared they 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 shared with me you know there's a story <laughs> and you know that is the the incredible thing about dreaming is that it 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 seems to open up um uh the world of knowledge you know um, the world the, the entire world the universe of knowledge mm-hmm. to where Um, these stories and these mythologies and these histories that we are not even aware of can emerge through our dreams. And they may emerge through, like I said, um, the imagery of the, you know, of of these waters that are emerging, you know, these waters that to me were waters of creativity and life and vitality. Um, But, but those kinds of images in a dream are ripe for further research that so that is where we bring them into our lives we bring them back um, and we are able to dream them forward either through our research through our reading through our um, actual dreaming Uh, we can make we can expand upon we can magnify these experiences and get to know traditions that um, that are lost to us. Um, there's a there's a, a word that when I first became acquainted with Robert Moss, he used that captivated me, and it's the word anamnesis. A mm. n a m n e s i s. Uh huh. And this is a Greek word that means to essentially remember what you've forgotten. And this is what dreaming does for us it is a process of anamnesis it brings us back what we have forgotten whether it be personally or culturally Mm-hmm.
0: yeah remembering unforgetting and also maybe re-listening things that are out there for us to hear and be aware of but that we're not usually aware of in our normal waking consciousness one thing that stands out to me about this dream, where is the water? And it's probably because a, a thread of curiosity I'm following right now in dreams is about the significance of the setting, you know, where it's taking place. So I heard you say this is, this house is in a more dangerous part of the same neighborhood.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: to me, that really resonates right now in our collective situation, one global neighborhood, but some parts feel so much more dangerous than others. Mm. In all different ways, there's emaciation all around. And in this dream, the water is there. It's brought up by stepping in and walking through the place, the house where someone would live here in this more dangerous part. Yes, not in a totally different realm. It's right on the edge of the neighborhood, but the more dangerous part.
1: Yes. Okay. I I um I think you're onto something really really powerful. And there are many different dream neighborhoods and in fact, I just found last night a poem that talks about this. It actually talks about one of my lost children, if you will. Uh, An earlier version of myself that perhaps was broken off from trauma, from um, sadness, from loneliness, away from me. And this poem speaks of uh, going and rescuing that, that, um, that lost child. If if you would like, I would be happy to read that for you. I will need to step into a different room because it is upstairs. No problem. Okay, cool. So as I'm um, heading up there, I will say something about dream settings. Um, in my experience, there are certain dream settings that uh, that I dwell in for a time. Um, these have included, uh, a a dream art school, which, uh, one of my, one of my kind of dream mentors, um, that is fully in the dream world is actually Paul clay, uh, the famous artist who was one of the founders of the Bauhaus. Mm. And I actually asked him (laughs) to um to help me in the dreaming and uh in that dream one of the things i vividly heard uh, in my ears was i will send you angels every day oh wow and um after that i had dreams in this dream school for probably about a year uh, where I was being revealed um, different characteristics of uh, the uh, the various elements of art, particularly color, where I actually had dreams where I became different colors, mm. and I got to experience different colors um, just purely objectively what the kind of what the essence of of those colors were. This is uh-huh. just one example um, in the past. Year I've been dreaming a lot about um, this environment that that is kind of loosely what I what I would imagine um, one of Octavia Butler's um, uh, scenes in um, a, a book called Mind of My Mind um, the, the the house where the protagonist lives with with other characters as well uh-huh. um and but the strange thing about this environment is that it was always nighttime mm. and i i feel very strongly in my in my interpretation of of the dream and my understanding of the dream uh the dream was kind of foreshadowing the period that we're in now mm. that there was that we would be in a time um that we would be kind of almost shrouded in in night um, in order to uh, kind of come to terms with what, with what, uh, what we've created—the monster that we've created—of yes. um, our of our current day life on this earth and what we're doing to this planet. Um, so I very much pay attention to the settings. Okay, I will go ahead and
2: read to you this poem. Great. It's called come with me. I'm stuck in a certain dream neighborhood. There are cracks, the thick, porous plaster, naked bulbs, stark white, high wattage, fluorescence at times in the middle of the night. We aren't happy here. We've got to go somewhere that could be catastrophic. Belongings tied in a paperboard man's belted bag. Night is always night in my solar plexus, high noon, so silent, when panic and confusion are talking. 46 years in the future, coffee at my right, pen in my left hand, I go to claim her, I guide her to a haven, together, actually one, we walk into a distinctly different neighborhood, a springtime, love and belonging, a home for our heart, a chance for the solar plexus to oversleep, ram to rebound. After that, tin of butter cookies, strawberry milk, Pray pause for pictures of our own, bird songs and flowers with names and songs and fragrances. This summer, dear, come dream our world with me. We need your gifts, your tenacious fire, your dough of trust and yeses. As I liberate you, I liberate myself, as I liberate myself. I liberate
0: you. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I can really visualize, you know, as we say in projective dream work, in my imagined version of your poem and your dream, I can see going back to reclaim her. Mm. That's really beautiful. Thank you for reading that. And thank you for this whole conversation. It's it's really been such a pleasure hearing about your experiences, and I look forward to seeing what you do in the future with dreams and, and staying in touch. And for everyone listening who wants to keep up with what you're doing too, would you like to share the best way to find you online or to keep in touch with you?
1: Okay, great. So um, if you're interested in um you know seeing my artwork or uh, what kind of work that i do uh, my website is uh, dreamingwoke.com and i do like i said workshops i do one-on-one work and um, yeah i i really appreciate the opportunity leilani to speak with you today and i Um, I hope that you and all the dreamers listening dream strong and true.
0: Well, thank you. It's been wonderful talking with you. I'll make sure to share a link to your site and your email for everybody. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you, Leilani. Take care. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Teresa Vasquez. I would love to hear from you. Do you have any dreams that speak to liberation? Any dream poetry you'd like to share? Contact me through thedreamersden.org or join my free Facebook group, The Dreamers Den, and share a dream or whatever you're thinking about around dreams right now. I'll be back with the next episode on the full moon. Until then, wishing you deep dreams.